I'm super excited to share this three-part interview series with John Schwartz. John came from humble beginnings, but turned a vision and a dream into reality, becoming Retailer of the Year two years and turning a small car audio store into the premier location in Anchorage, Alaska, and an amazing internet presence and social media presence. So sit back, relax, enjoy this three-part series. The fact of the matter is, whether you've been in network marketing for years or just a few days, your family and friends have seen your opportunity and your phone is, as we call it, burnt. If you're anything like me, that's a scary thought. So the big question is, how do entrepreneurs like us, who love the network marketing profession, who no longer want to be that guy, and are tired of convincing people during uncomfortable let's get coffee meetings where they say, what's this all about? How do we market in a way that aligns us with our dream clients and expands our network of upfront and transparent professionals, allowing us to get our time back, our families back, and gain a real passive asset. People like us who value impact over income, we deserve to see our visions once and for all. Join me in this podcast where we'll uncover just how to do that. My name is Eric Sablon. Welcome to Burnt Phone Marketing. guys we're here with John Schwartz one of the premier um, car audio people inside the inside the Alaskan industry but you know he also built a business outside and he has a, a substantial amount of uh, influence throughout the nation throughout um, a lot of the car audio uh, people he's actually been Retail of the year, how many times? Two times. Two times, retail of the year. And that's not something, that's not just an average feat, that's the whole country, retail of the year. So, John, I just kind of wanted to literally kind of start you off with a little bit of your backstory. I mean, I know you've been in the industry for about 30 years, yeah. just under 30. Yeah, old man. You started when you were 14, that's cool. Yeah, back, back in North Carolina, man, <laughs> way back. So, you know, John, I just kind of want to... Let the, let, the, let the listeners know, you know, where you came from and, and kind of a little bit of your backstory um, on perfectionists. Well, let's see. Um, well, I was born overseas and I uh, got adopted, came to America when I was pretty young. And uh, so I landed in North Carolina and uh, always loved, you know, taking stuff apart and everything. And then um, when I was 14, like Eric was saying, you know, I, uh, I was working at a meatball shop. Uh, they sold meatball subs and things, and we delivered flyers on base. And uh, there was a stereo shop next door. And then one day I was sitting outside having lunch, and guy pulls up in the Honda CRX, and he just like plays "Baby Got Back" right in the in the, in the building. You're had, dating like, yourself, yeah, man. Yeah, I know. And the building had like these eight foot tall windows, and man, when that base hit, it just shook all the all the windows were shaking on the building, and it was nuts. And uh, Anyway, man, I was hooked, and I went next door, and I begged for a job, and I told him I work for free, and I don't care, I just got to be in this, and he said, all right, man, so I went in, and I quit the other job, and the next day, I started this job, and I was uh, cleaning the bathrooms, and, uh, you know, cleaning the shop, and doing stuff, and then uh, he would say, hey, come help me with this box, and then never forget this, and never forget that, and then I loved it, so so I got hooked on it, and then um, I ended up moving to Alaska when I was 16, started my first company, it's called The Sound Doctor, I did it in high school, me and my buddy Sal, and uh, 
anyway, it was pretty awesome. We had hats made and business cards and did it in the front yard. And I kind of got the reputation as, like, just the stereo guy. And uh, the way the name came up was basically... Uh, was Do we have to restart? Or no, no. Just keep going. Yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, I was building a system one day. I didn't have any gear, obviously. So uh, one guy, you know, I was fixing stuff, and he's like, man, you're like the sound doctor. And I was like, oh, man, I love that name. That's cool. So, so yeah, so we started doing that. And then through uh, high school, I was building everybody's systems. And you come to my house, and, man, it'd be like three or four, well, my mom's house. It'd be like three or four cars in the front yard and, you know, building stuff. And then, um Anyway, so then uh, I was dealing with a, a guy over at another shop buying all the gear from him, and then uh, I, every time I got a system done, I go show it to him, and then finally he, uh, when I was eighteen, he's like, "Hey man, you want to come work for us?" And uh, whoa, that's crazy. So yeah, so I started there part time when I was eighteen, and then uh, yeah, I was there for the next five years, and kind of went from audio to really, really got into security and uh, remote start and stuff. Obviously, being in Alaska, and then. Uh, this guy, his name was Nam. He was like a amazing installer. Taught me a lot. He went to work for this company called First Tech, who's the makers of CompuStar security. And uh, anyway, every day he would call me up and ask me for wires. Hey, where's this wire at? Where's this at? And I was like, Oh man, third plug, blue wire, blah blah blah. So finally, uh, the owner Jason Lee, he, you know, he's like, Hey, who's this guy you keep uh, calling him? Calling. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Oh, it's, it's my my guy John. You know, he's a this guy. Anyway, so. So he took me out to lunch, and, and um, you know, he told me about this new company called CompuStar. So he basically, like, slides his remote across the table, and back then there was no two-way stuff, and it was the first two-way on the in the world, and it looked like Star Trek, you know? Like, yeah, the I remember future. that. Yeah, I remember it's that. the future, you know? So anyway, he was like, uh, well, this is my new company, and I want to I wanna take over everything, and I want to, you know... I want to beat Viper. Viper's like the biggest company in the world, right? Anyway, so I was like, you know, I'm a hot shot, bad dude, you know? I was like, all right, cool, man. You know, I need 15 bucks an hour, and I need uh, I need to go to Vegas every year for the big electronic show. So he just kind of laughed. He goes, deal. And I was like, man, I should ask for 16 should bucks an hour. Should ask more. I should ask for 16 bucks an hour. But anyway, and then there's only four guys in the company, so of course I'm going to Vegas to work, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, that wasn't very smart on my side. I was a great negotiator then. <laughs> Um, so anyway, he owned Perfectionist at the time, and that's where CompuStar was born. Right. So I went to work for CompuStar. I was the head tech. You know, we were writing the manuals and designing the brains and doing all this cool stuff. And um, I was just turning 23, and um, that winter, uh, Perfectionist was kind of backed up. And at the time, Perfectionist was the worst shop, pretty much, I want to say, in the Northwest. Terrible, terrible business, and uh, we're doing about three hundred grand a year, which and then and then about a hundred thousand in the red. That's right, really right. Bad. So we had good cash flow, but we had like no idea about anything. Um, so anyway, yeah, the shop was just terrible. Cars get damaged. Uh, the worst case scenario. Right. Typical shop. And um, anyway, so Jason one day was like, "Hey, I need you to go to the shop to help out." And I was like, uh, no, I'm not, I don't want to go there. I got a good reputation. I can't go to your shop. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? It's my shop. You got to go. It's not that bad. And I'm like, it's that it's bad. It's that bad. Yeah. And I mean, at the time, you were still a pyramid. And I was which, at another shop, and we were actually probably one of the premier shops. It's the funny. Premier, the premier. <laughs> the premier shop. shop. Yeah. So I was actually managing. So John and I have known each other for, God, 30 years mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the funny things is when he was... I think he was 17 or 18. He actually came into the shop that I was working at. And I was just an installer at the time. And the manager was like, I'm like, dude, let's get him. Like, mm-hmm. 
look at the work that he does. And that's one thing that I know about John. I mean, if you listen to, like, just his story, started at 16, literally just, like, the tuning fork kind of rang in him when he felt that bass shaking. It's, it's just, it's a weird feeling. Like, mm-hmm. some people don't understand it, like, what, what, what excites us. But when you really get in there and you kind of find something, it's amazing to see how it changes you. And, um, you know, he went into that other shop and, you know, I'll come back to you and, you know, finish your story about, you know, where you, how you came in. And, and, and that's funny because he says that it was the worst shop in the Northwest. But if you look at the store now, like I said, two years, retail of the year, that's something you don't, you don't usually see from something that came from literally the bottom of the barrel um, in in our location, in our in our area. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, definitely a challenge, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, to, to a lot of people when they start a business, right, it's kind of like you're, to, you're ready to get advantage. It's like credit. You know, when you don't have any credit, like a kid, and you start up, you can pretty much get anything, right? Right. So a new business can go any which way. You can, you're starting up, and bam, you can build a great reputation, or you can build a bad one. Right. So taking a, a bad business with bad books, bad employees, bad everything, and then having to rebuild that, what a challenge, you know? So a lot of times when I when I speak and I go to different things, that's what I tell them. Like, hey, you know, I had to, I started with terrible credit, and then we had to build up to no credit, and then we had to build up credit. So, so the you first started time, in the red when uh, it came to reputation in the business. Now, you know, guys, a lot of people, a lot of you guys don't have credibility with the people that you're talking to. And, I mean, John literally started in the red. So, you know, think about it. He started in the red, and his business is doing over a million dollars a year. So just know that even if you're in the red right now, like you have no credibility, if you focus and you build yourself up, you're actually going to get a little bit more. You're going to get a substantial amount of credibility just by, you know, what, what did you do? Wow. I mean, you know, again, like the first five years that I had it, we – my business school cost me a hundred grand a year, right? So half a million dollars to learn how to run the place. Now, the the trick of that is is that a lot of people think, wow, how'd you lose a hundred thousand and still stay afloat? So really, the secret with small business is cash flow, right? So we gotta have cash flow. I think that's something huge that uh, Eric is always talking about. But you know, cash flow is a big deal. So for us, being a seasonal business, you know, we we kind of struggle all summer and then we make it up in the winter for most starts, right? So what I would do, and like Eric was talking about credibility, is what I would do is uh, I would talk to the vendors and I talk to everybody and say, "Look, we're seasonal. Give me, give me till September, October, and I promise you, I'll pay." Right. You know, in the last twenty years, I never not paid anybody. I right. take care of my debts, and those people just started getting used to it. So any any vendor, any person you're working with, you know, you got to kind of train them. Like, okay, I'm gonna pay in forty five days. But I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna try to pay in thirty. But right. give, give me a break. You know, help me out. And I didn't have any credit. I didn't have any credit cards. I didn't have nothing. I'm just a little dumb kid. I don't know nothing. So anyway, when I uh, came over, you know, when I finally reluctantly lost to Jason and had to come to work, right? Um, he told me, okay, well, be my spy. Let me know how bad the shop is. That's all right. No problem. So uh, when I got my toolbox and stuff dropped off, right. Um, all the guys are looking at me. They knew out where I came from, and they know me and stuff. And uh, so I blew my cover. I straight right. up was like, hey, I don't like any of you guys. I'm a spy. Don't screw up. I'm going to tell Jason. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm the worst spy there is. I'm writing everything down, taking notes. And, man, I couldn't believe the stuff I saw for the next 30 days. You know, I mean, these guys, 
just unbelievable, you know, just the worst case scenario in every aspect of business. So finally one night, Jason and I go to have dinner, and then he's like, hey, so how's the shop? What's this? And I just pull out like a notebook. I'm like, oh, you got this, you got this, you got this. I said, man, we're losing this much money per month. This is happening, this is happening. And I said, man, it's terrible. And uh, he's like, oh, well, man, what should I do? And I said, man, your, your shop's so bad. I said, I'll fire everybody and start over. <laughs> I mean, you're already the worst. You right. Know? There's nothing worse than that. And um, so he sat there for about five minutes, and he didn't say a word, and he looked at me, and I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, he said, okay, tomorrow you fire everybody, I'll fire the manager, and you're the new manager. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Man. Oh, man, I'm 23. I don't know nothing about running a company. And he's like, well, obviously I don't either, so let's figure this out together. And then so the next day, you know, I came in and brought everybody together, and I said, all right, hey, guys. Pink slips for everybody. I hate to, I hate to <laughs> say this, but uh, you can either leave now or you leave at the end of the day, but today's everybody's last day. And they're just, you know, of course, everybody's mad and this and that, but and that's what happened. And so for the next the next couple, probably two months, I was by myself, and I answered the phones and doing installs and back and forth. And then uh, we hired our first employee, and then we started going from there, and then it was the rebuild, you know. And then it took, so what I always say is five years of, like, getting out of bad credit, then five years, like, a new business. Right. And then now the last, gosh, ten years have been really, really well, you know, really good. So we won Retailer of the Year. Um, our first time in 2010 and then I had a goal for myself was um, I wanted to uh, make a certain salary and I wanted to uh, I wanted to buy the company out and I wanted to win retailer of the year and uh, so the night we won retail retailer of the year in 2010 that same night I bought the company out from Jason and then um, you know and I did it three weeks before my 35th birthday which was my goal you know so yeah so it was pretty awesome man and then we now, yeah, we've had to change a lot. So when we went Retailer of the Year again in 2015, we completely had to change our whole entire everything. You know, we changed our processes. We changed our our showroom. We changed everything. And the way that happened is um, basically we – I wanted to open another shop. Right. So I, I was going to open up a shop on the east side, you know. I was like, oh, like military. extension. Boom. Yeah, military. Like everything, yeah. And then so, I, of course, I called my mentor, you know. I was like, hey, man, what do you think? You know, I want to do this. And, uh, you know, I thought he'd be excited. But the first thing he says, are you ready to lose 100 grand? And I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, is perfection's running so good that you can leave for a month? And right. I was like, no, I can't. I can maybe leave for a week, maybe. And he said, all right, well, take that same money and make perfectionist so good that you can leave. He said, if you can't leave, then you're not a business owner. He said, then you're, you're the business owns you. you right. Know? He said, you just own your job. Right. And I was like, all right, I don't want to own my job, you know, so I want to, I want to own a business. So that money that we did, that we were going to spend, we decided, okay, let's completely reinvest. reinvest. Yeah. yeah. So we redid our whole showroom. We, you know, we modernized every installer has their own iPad. We did, everything is digital. You know, right. So we can do this a certain way. We we bought more tools. We you did more your, training. You fixed your processes. Yeah, everything. And and redefined them. Yeah. But one thing I want to go back to is what you said was you know a lot of business owners don't know exactly what their goals are. And what I liked is you had three goals. You had three focuses. Number one was to hit retail of the year. Boom. That that gives outside fame. Right. That gives you some outside fame. Number two was get a salary that gives you kind of inside fame. Mm. So you were like, I'm, I'm comfortable now. And then number three was buy the shop out. Mm-hmm. So basically that gives you instant credibility because now you're a big, I mean, you're a, a, you know, you're a retailer of the year business owner. So that gives you massive credibility. So 
you know, without writing that stuff down, and I know you, you read a lot of books and you have mentors, and that was another big thing, you know, how many of you guys out there have a mentor that's a real mentor that would tell you not the green grass stuff, but say, are you willing to use it, lose $100,000 a year? Because most mentors would be like, yeah, great idea. Sounds good. Well, I want to define that. I, th- I think that that's what makes a mentor a mentor is a person that's telling you, no, that's stupid. That's stupid, yeah. You know, I, I had this thing. I'm mentoring probably about 20 people right now. And the one thing I tell them is, listen, if you, have, if you listen to me, I'll save you 10 years. You know, I'll save you 10 years of screwing up. I, I spent a lot of money. I wasted a lot of money. I tried a lot of stuff. And I think that at the end of the day, a mentor is a person that looks you straight in the face and says, you didn't think this through. Right. Where's the plan? And honestly, you know, I, I started a couple other companies. And, I, and I'm like kind of like a shoot from the hip kind of guy, you know, like, oh, I can make it work. I, I'm smart. I can figure right. this out. I can figure it out. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you know, I, I made bad decisions. And, you know, and that's actually three companies now that I think about it that I kind of made some bad decisions on. And so I think having these mentors, and I think even at times, you know, you've been a mentor to me in some well, levels. You. you know, thank you. That's and, uh, huge. Yeah. So I think that uh, being a, a true business owner, the first thing is you don't want to be the smartest guy at the table. You know, you want to be kind of the dumbest guy there and then, you know, listen to these really smart people. I mean, luckily for me, some of my mentors or companies do over a hundred million a year. Right. You know, I mean, how many people wish they could have five minutes with that guy and, and I get to hang people out with pay them. big dollars for that. I mean, yeah, so. one of my mentors, Russell Brunson, it's $25,000 just to sit down with him. I yeah. mean, think about that. That's, and he, he owns a hundred million dollar a year company and, you know, you get the opportunity and that's one of the things is if you really focus on expanding your circle and I'm talking to everybody out there like expand your circle one thing that I always say from stage is you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most and then the last question is that okay if you're at the top of that they're only pulling you down I mean if you hang out with five broke people you're going to be number six so expand your circles get out there and network with people and you know if it's a big difference when you're talking to people that you uh, want to be like versus people that want to be like you. Yeah, the way the way I learned it back in North Carolina was, uh, <laughs> was called trickle-down economics. Trickle-down trickle trickle down economics. You hang around drug dealers all day, you become a drug dealer. You hang around crackheads all day, you become a crackhead. You, know? mm-hmm. you hang around millionaires all day, you learn how to make a million. Exactly. And um, I think uh, a really cool quote the late Nipsey Hussle said, he said, if you, are not in, if you look around at your circle and you're not inspired, then it's not a circle, it's a cage. Ooh, that's that deep. Was, that was deep, man. I thought, I was like, wow, that is so true. And so I think really, you know, when I first got perfectionist and CompuStar was blowing up, those guys left in like 2004. They moved to Seattle. Right. So I was by myself, you know. So my mentor was books. You know, I went, me and my, my girls, I had three girls and, uh, Every uh, every Sunday we go to Barnes and Noble, and they would be in the kids section buying kid books, and I'd be in the business section. Or not necessarily just that, but I would be in the section of what I needed that at right. that time. And I tell people a lot of time read a lot of books, but you know what? You can read a whole book, and you might get one paragraph out of it. One nugget. Yeah, one nugget, and that was it. And then at that time, like you know, so at certain points, like you have developing a leader within, or you know, rich dad poor dad, or you have you know this or that or different books. But you may not use all that. You might just get this one thing, and it might be the very back of the book, and a bam, it might be worth something. And I feel like, you know, we we hit our first million uh, back in like two thousand eight, and I was like, okay, if we can do it again in two thousand nine. This ain't a fluke. This is right, real. Right. But the economy crashed, 
it was a really tough time. I had just opened another company. I had like my first 50 grand I ever had in my life. And instead of keeping it and partying it, yeah, <laughs> I, what I did, I said, hey, you know, we're, we're hot right now. I'm opening another company. And my mentor told me, he's like, you know, I don't know if we should do this, man, because he's like, economy's not looking good, this and that. But I'm, a, you know, oh, man, we, we made a million bucks. We're, we're millionaires, you know. Nobody knew that 2009 yeah. was, or yeah. 2008, 2009 was going to do what it did to everybody. Yeah. And I didn't understand, you know, at that time, I hate to say, I didn't, uh, I didn't get profitability and all this. I was like, yeah, I made a million bucks. I didn't, you know, I get, didn't understand it all. But then, uh, so I opened up this other company and put every penny of this 50 grand that I finally had into it. And uh, my brother, I built it for my brother-in-law, you know, because he worked for me at the time. And uh, so I did, the, I broke the first rule. I made a company people dependent, not systems dependent. Right. So that's a big rule right there. And uh, anyway, three months after we had put everything into this and all the training and tooling and all this type of stuff, my sister walks in my office crying her eyes out. I'm like, what's wrong with this? Who do I got to kill? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who do I got to kill? Yeah, Who do I got to kill? And then she's like, I got bad news. I'm like, what's wrong? You know, I'm getting concerned. And then she says, my boss is shutting down the company here. We got to move to Texas. And I'm like, well, wait a second. What do you mean you're moving to Texas? I'm like, yeah, we got to move to Texas. And I was like, I just spent all this money on this company for your husband. Right. I remember and, that. And then, yeah, so they had to move to Texas. So I had to shut down the company. So I lost. I know that marketing can be tough. So what I did for you guys is I put together a free summit with 30 of the top internet marketers in the world. Basically what they're doing is they're sharing their story. If they lost everything, what would they do? So I put it in the description of this podcast. Also, if you go to it, it's www.burntphonechallenge.com forward slash summit. OFA. So go ahead and go and link to that. It's free. Enjoy the training and we'll see you on another episode of Burnt Phone Marketing.